Hello everyone, Nate Dickinson. You're listening into the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Coming up on today's show, we're talking basketball. Yes, the Gophers are getting ready to face off against Illinois, and that's coming up later on this weekend. We'll talk all about that in tomorrow's program, but right now, we're getting into basketball. It is November. Basketball team is still scheduled to start its season at the end of November. We're not exactly sure how everything's going to go with that season, but I do want to take some time just to talk about the basketball team today. Going to get into what it was last year, looking forward to this season as well, and also... Some people are mumbling that Richard Pitino is on the hot seat. We'll discuss that a bit, too, as we get into the back part of our program today. Before we get to any of that, though, this is the Lockdown Golden Gophers podcast. Once again, Nate Dickinson with you. I am your host. You give us half an hour of your time every single weekday. We'll let you know everything that you need to know about the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And with that, we'll start with the news going around the Gophers here today. First, some news not necessarily with Minnesota, but just around the Big Ten. Some of the bigger news from this week, Wisconsin and Purdue is canceled for this weekend. That's the second game the Badgers have had to cancel with COVID-19 concerns. Wisco now needs to play all the rest of the games on the schedule and able to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. And we, of course, have no idea what the implications would be if Wisconsin weren't eligible for that game and then maybe wanted some college football playoff hopes. Does the committee want to see a Big Ten champion be the one that goes into that playoffs picture? I don't know. We're way, way away from that. But Wisconsin has some early troubles here and is really crossing its fingers that it doesn't have to miss any more games. Back over to some Minnesota Gopher news, the women's gymnastic teams have named their leadership group for the season. Mary Corlin Downs, Mallory Leneve, Ona Loper, Abby Nyland, Lexi Ramler, and T.R. Sales. Congrats to them. In some soccer news, Tori Burnett has been added as an assistant on the Minnesota SC team of the NSPL. If you aren't aware, the NSPL, a team in the fourth tier of the American Soccer Leagues. Also, Hockey rankings came out. The Minnesota men's team finished number 14 in the USCHO rankings, number 13 in the USA Today and U.S. Hockey rankings in the preseason rankings that came out. The women's team, much, much better, finished number 4 in the rankings in the preseason. Before we get going here on our program, a happy birthday to Jarvis Johnson. Johnson was a four-star recruit that ended up on the Minnesota Gopher team. Medical conditions ended up preventing him from actually getting on the court, but he stuck with the Gophers was on the bench all four years and now still there as a graduate manager this season as well. Happy birthday to Jarvis Johnson this week too. Also want to wish best of luck to Shane Wiskus. He is headed over to Japan for an Olympic test event. He'll be trying to take the first steps toward making some sort of Olympic roster and hopefully an Olympics that will in some sort of way happen next year. At least that's what Japan's going for. So best of luck to Shane. Best of luck to, of course, all the Gophers on the football team getting ready to head over to Illinois to face off against the Illini. But we're not talking football here today. It's going to be a basketball program. And before we get into looking forward to this season with this Gopher squad, I want to first look back, remind you of the 2019 and 2020 season for the Minnesota Gophers because it was not their best. But let's take a look at exactly what went wrong. First off, the Minnesota Gophers on that 2019 and 2020 season finished 15 and 16. 
This is a Minnesota Gophers squad that under Richard Pitino had never finished under 500 except for all the way back in 2017 and 18, not so long ago, actually, when the team finished 15 and 17 again. Actually, was number 15 in the preseason AP polling going into that season. That was one of the most dis more disappointing years for Pitino as well. He did finish under 500 one other time, too, in 2015 and 16. That's when the Gophers were measly 8 and 23. But sprinkled in between there are some NCAA tournament appearances as well. But we'll get more on Richard Pitino as we continue on with the show. Let's get more into, again, this Minnesota Gophers squad. What did the team do well? What did the team not do well? Well, first off, one of the things the team was able to do well, which maybe didn't translate much to people who were watching games, was they rebounded well. That's something probably Minnesota fans did know. But they also passed the ball pretty well. And that's something that wasn't always apparent throughout the season. But there were times when Minnesota was really, really good at it, when they were able to win some games. And as a result, they finished as a top 25 team, or at least close to it, depending on which rankings you look at, in assists per game. So the Gophers were able to move the ball around in a way that I feel like a lot of people didn't really get to see all the time because there were times throughout the season when it wasn't as consistent as maybe you would have liked and in some big games too. Part of the reason why the Gophers weren't part of the NCAA tournament field or weren't going to be when things got shut down, not really anywhere close to it. Of course, you also lost from last season Daniel Oturu. He led the team in scoring, led the team in rebounding by large margins in both. Five points with his 20.1 points per game over the next highest scoring gopher. More than six rebounds over the next rebounding gopher at 11.3 rebounds per game. And losing him's tough. But we'll get into, of course, Liam Robbins and the rest of the new additions for this gopher team too. The good news is, though, you also have your second highest scorer and rebounder back as well, someone you didn't know for sure if you would have back in Marcus Carr. He'll come back for his junior season, hopefully take the next step if you're rooting for Gopher players to do well toward becoming an NBA draft prospect, and then maybe he will get out of here after this season. But for now, he's a Gopher again, and he's back to try and lead this team in a way that, well, he wanted to in a bigger way, I think, last season. Hopefully we'll try to do better here this year as well. He was also the team leader in assists at six and a half per game. Marcus Carr back to run this offense with some more experience too. I think he'll be able to do pretty well. But again, let's move on to some of the things that the Gophers did not do well last season. And that was shoot the ball. In three-point shooting, just straight up field goal shooting, or even two-point shooting, shots from inside the arc, the Gophers didn't end up in the top 150 in any of those categories as far as rankings of among college basketball D1 teams. It was an abysmal shooting year for the Gophers. They shot just 33% from three-point range. From field goal range, or from any shots from the field, they shot just 42.5%. A down year shooting the ball for the Gophers, but that wasn't really the biggest contributor to, I feel like, this 15-16 and 16 record. If you were watching last season, you just saw that this team couldn't finish games when they really needed to. They could play efficient games, play an efficient majority of games, but when it came to the clutch points at the ends of the games, I feel like the Minnesota Gophers really did struggle at points throughout that season to get some wins that could have propelled them into the NCAA tournament picture. That was the big frustration with this team. After a pretty good start in the non-conference schedule, you hit the Big Ten and pretty much land right on the NCAA tournament bubble for the majority of the rest of the season throughout Big Ten play. 
And in the Big Ten, you always have big games. You always have opportunities to get off that bubble and establish yourself as someone who at least could compete in an NCAA tournament. That's really what the committee is looking for when they're picking 68 teams. They want the teams who have proven that they can compete. They are worth putting in because they can win the games against the teams who are for sure tournament teams. And there's plenty of those to play in the Big Ten. The biggest frustration was that the Gophers would go into big games, play well for a lot of those big games, but then in clutch moments, just not be able to finish. A game at home against Iowa sticks out to me. One in which the Gophers in the last like five or six possessions, I think, turned the ball over three or four times or something like that. It was those kind of things that was the most frustrating to see as a Gopher fan. The kind of ways that they lost games. Not the fact that they went under 500. I really don't think that had anything to do with it as much as it was the way that they lost those games. I mean, you don't even have to know the stories of all of them. Just look at the scores. A five-point loss on March 4th. This is right at the end of the season against Indiana, another, bub- another bubble team. A two-point loss against Wisconsin. A one-point loss against Maryland. A three-point loss against Iowa. And this is all from February 15th onward. This is all the last three, four weeks of the season. Just heartbreaking loss after another for this Gopher team. So I don't think the doubts going into a season for the Minnesota Gophers have anything to do with their ability to win games. I don't think anyone's concerned about that, especially with a guy like Marcus Carr coming back, and you have Gabe Kalsher back in the backcourt too, so hopefully their experience now puts them in a position to better run this offense. But I'm not concerned with any sort of the skill with the Gophers. I'm more concerned with their ability to finish games. It's something they weren't able to do before, and we're going to see if they can do it here now. Again, you're listening to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Hey, I know how life is crazy right now. It's go, go, go all the time. Nothing but nonstop hustle, really. Whether it's your work, your family, anything else that could be expecting you to be on, it seems like it's 24-7 that you got to be alert. Sometimes you just need a minute to chill, relax, hit the reset button. And that's what Coors Light can do for you. You reach for a Coors Light, it's literally made to chill. The only one out there that's made just for that. And I do mean just chilling out, relaxing too, but also, I mean actually chilling as well. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. As crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Whenever I'm watching a gopher game or drowning my sorrows after watching a gopher football game in some cases, I always reach for that Coors Light to make sure that I can just be able to relax for a second, sometimes calm the anger. Again, Coors Light's the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Now, while Coors Light is there for the time that you want to chill, sometimes you really do need to be on as well. And if you have some sort of wall you need to break through, like sometimes I don't always want to get up here and record the podcasts all the time, or I don't have the motivation to get up and get to work every single day, or even watch the games as closely as I want to. Sometimes you just want to sit and relax, but you know, hey, I got to watch this, make sure I know what's going on. For those people who need to be on at some points, you can break through that wall, mental or physical, with a built go every day. These things are not quite like the built bars, which are also great. They're smaller, one and a half ounce packages, something you can 
stick in the briefcase or a golf bag or even just put it in your pocket to get throughout the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five-hour energy, but without that same crash that you get sometimes after. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body inside too. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of caffeine and just better out results. But how does it work so well? A lot of protein places like to say that you can get the best of the best here. What makes Built Go work? Well, it's a collagen protein that's fast absorbing. So it gets into your system fast. So you eat it and then you're ready to go. Plus, it's easy on the stomach too. Also, Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your workout like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine as well. That collagen, by the way, also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. The stuff makes you look better, too, while it's getting you throughout your day as well. And also a special offer for our Locked On listeners. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go with Built Go. Coming up after our break, we're going to take a look at this year's Golden Gopher team. You lost Daniel Oturu, but you get a big grad transfer back who might have NBA aspirations too. We'll talk about that and everything else going on with this basketball team in just a minute. You're listening into the Locked On Golden Gopher podcast. Welcome to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson with you. We're talking basketball today. We went over last year's team in the last segment. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this year's squad. The Golden Gophers looking to bounce back after an under 500 end to the season, but Minnesota couldn't have gotten over that again, I guess, in the Big Ten tournament had things continued. So I guess you could say they were about a 500 team, if it makes you feel any better, which I don't know if it should. But let's talk a little bit about this squad. We mentioned before that this team lost Daniel Oturu, who's going to fill in for that huge, huge hole that he leaves in both scoring and rebounding. We'll get into it in just a minute, but first, we got to start with, of course, the biggest thing in any start to a season right now, which is COVID-19, and how it could possibly affect the Gophers on the court, as well as, of course, just the schedule and all of that. We pretty much know how all that goes by now. We've seen it enough in college football, in pro football, baseball games being rescheduled even before that kind of got us warmed up to the idea of being able to move things around so much. So I think there's no doubt that the Gophers will at least have games moved up. It won't be as scary as though the football team because with basketball schedule inherently, you're just able to be more flexible. You can move things from like a Tuesday to a Thursday if you need to. Can't do that really with a football game. But At the same time, the Gophers will be able to just reschedule things a lot easier. So hopefully the Gophers will be able to play a full season is what I'm trying to get to. But anyway, we also saw with this Minnesota football team that really the COVID-19 start to the season was so limited that it could have definitely had an impact on really how terrible this defense for Minnesota football has been. We'll get back to basketball, I know, but I'd want to just go off course here for a second and say that I really do believe that the lack of the reps that those players got in really could be impacting just how inexperienced they look out there because they are inexperienced. And I believed there would be these kind of growing pains anyway. I didn't believe it would be like the way it is or has been. But right now with this football team, it seems like the defense just needs more reps. And I can't help but think that those reps could have come in a normal preseason. I don't know. And I don't know what P.J. Fleck has said to this because I'm sure he's been asked about it plenty of times. But I would expect that there is at least some part of what's going through his head thinking, 
gosh, we had been able to do this for another week during the preseason. That would have been shored up for this game. Just with even a couple of little things, you know? I don't think the same kind of thing will happen with this basketball team. I do think they'll be able to, one, have a little bit of a more normal preseason because it seems like people have been able to become a little bit more accustomed on how to operate during a pandemic. It's not like how the Big Ten's football season got started, or should I say got stopped and then got started, if you'd like. But anyway, the basketball season won't be like that. They at least, it seems, have a plan to get going, and there may be practice schedule and game schedule until COVID-19 rears its head inside the team or inside an opponent. It doesn't seem like anything will be all that different. And P.J. Fleck brought up this point in his press conference, too. Now that they've gotten going, it has been pretty normal for him. Things would change if they had to stop practicing or have a game canceled. But at the moment, they have so many people looking at COVID-19 for them that they can kind of just go about their football business until someone tells them not to. It should be the pretty much same thing for this basketball team. So while COVID-19 was a big, big worry going into football season about how it would actually affect the play on the field, I don't believe you're going to have that same kind of worry going into the play on the hardwood. It seems like these schools have decided at least how they want to do it. You can decide whether or not it's the right or wrong way to do it if you like, because there are about five different ways for each of the five Power Five conferences that every conference is breaking this down. And every school has some variations in their policies too. But it seems like everyone has at least, through trial and error really in the football season, found a way to establish what exactly it is that they want to do regarding COVID-19 and playing sports. So the Gophers should at least be prepared and have an idea of what things will look like at least until the preseason or until someone comes down with COVID-19 or has to quarantine and then of course we get into that when it happens. But as of right now, the Gophers should be have a pretty normal preseason and I wouldn't be too worried about them being able to go out there and play like they normally would in that first game if things had been, well, not in the middle of a pandemic. Aside from that, let's get into what the Gophers actually have on the floor. And what the Gophers have on the floor is a guy named Liam Robbins. Liam Robbins is a transfer from, or, or from Drake who now goes to Minnesota and will, at least if you're a Gopher fan, hopefully, be able to fill in the role that Daniel Oturu leaves there. That being said, they are not the same player. Daniel Oturu was much more mobile, in my opinion, around the perimeter. Not that Liam Robbins cannot hold his own there. But he is a 7-foot-tall, 235-pound player that the Gophers are bringing in here. And for that size, I, I do think he has some mobility. He can run it up and down the court. But I don't think he'll have that same kind of mobility and touch in the high post that Daniel Oturu had. I could see him doing much more work down low in the post. But the point is... He was a scorer last season for Drake, 14 points per game, 7 rebounds per game as well, and 3 blocks per game too. That Daniel Oturu defense that the Gophers are going to miss, I think Liam Robbins may be able to have the biggest impact on that side of the basketball. Really make things hard for teams to score inside on the Gophers with him down there. That's what I think the Gophers really could be able to benefit most from with him now here. He's not the same player as Daniel Oturu was. Daniel Oturu was much more of a stretch player, I think, than Liam Robbins is. I think he's more stationary with where he's going to be on offense, whether he does start out on the perimeter or down low. 
But anyway, he is someone who I think could be that replacement that is able to make Minnesota, I don't know, maybe even a better team because he's just a different kind of player. Not that he's better than Daniel Oturu, but because he's kind of a different style, maybe just getting a little bit of a different look for someone for those guards to pass to and go inside and outside on with. Maybe that is enough to be able to get Minnesota over some sort of hump and maybe just a different style of player at that position can help things out. Looking forward at the team, Minnesota was ranked number 35 overall in the preseason Ken Palm rankings. If you don't know Ken Palm or he puts together rankings that are just well-respected by people who know things in basketball, Minnesota was 10th in the Big Ten in those rankings. And if you think about NCAA tournament teams, I don't know if a 10th in the Big Ten team is someone who's going into the tournament feeling good on Selection Sunday. So the Gophers at least are looking to, I guess, exceed expectations. But I think they can, again, with a guy like Liam Robbins, who I think could have a breakout season and I think will have the playing time to be able to have it if he would like, and a guy like Marcus Carr coming back as well. And in Carr, he's now a junior. After transferring from Pitt, as a redshirt sophomore, he was able to come on, or a third-year sophomore, I guess I should say, and score 15.4 points per game in his first time with the Gophers. Really impressed and hit some really big shots at points, too. He shot 36% from three, above the team average. He was someone who immediately came in and became one of these leaders on the court. And now going into his junior season, he's really going to have to embrace that role even further. Because this year, he, he is the guy. Liam Robbins is coming in. But Daniel Oturu was the guy for the Gophers last year. Carr was his kind of counterpart. In the inside-outside game, as far as the perimeter shooter, he was the guy, and the down-low guy was Daniel Oturu, and Robbins can be that guy too, but it's now he is 1A, and Robbins would be 1B, or Gabe Kalsher will be 1B, or somebody else, but everyone's expecting Marcus Carr to be the guy this season, so he's going to have to have the mentality going into the year to be able to play like it, and I think he can, and I think he will. But I'm interested to see how it ends up executing and what he ends up playing like this season. Because when you look down at what he was able to do last year, as far as assists per game, he was second in the Big Ten last season. But in turnovers, he was also fourth. And you might say, yes, well, his usage is so high. He runs the offense for the Gophers. He always has the ball. And you're right. He had 6.5 assists per game. And as far as turnovers per game goes, it was only 2.6. That's pretty good. But he's going to have to take that next level to becoming one of the best of the best in the Big Ten. If this offense wants to run that I, the way I think Richard Pitino wants to run it. That's the biggest thing I think this team needs to get better at. The turnovers at the big times. And the maturity of the backcourt hopefully helps with this. You have Marcus Carr back. You have Gabe Kalsher back. And they're going into another year of experience and usually just naturally in college basketball, even if you haven't trusted a guy to be able to make the right decisions before, just over time the game slows down and they just naturally get better at these things. The numbers always seem to show it. Junior and senior year is always better with things like turnovers and assists for point guards than freshman and sophomore year was. It's something that just takes time. And Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalsher are going into the years where they're supposed to be able to have had the time to be pretty good at this stuff. If the Gophers can do better with that kind of a thing, it could make them a very, very good team in the Big Ten. 
I do think they're being slept on a little bit here. I don't think 10th in the Big Ten is respecting this team enough, although I haven't looked at the other nine teams above them to see exactly what they have looking at their teams. But anyway, I do think this team can overachieve. I do think this team could be in a position where, if there's an NCAA tournament set selection Sunday to be had, the Gophers have the ability to get themselves to a spot where they should feel comfortable on that selection Sunday. But it's going to result in some players playing the best seasons that they've ever had, including Marcus Carr, including Liam Robbins, the transfer coming in. Richard Pertino's leaning on those guys, along with the pieces that are around them that have shown what they can do, to be able to make this team better than it was last year, which was, again, an under 500 season. Coming up, up next, we're going to talk about that. Richard Pitino and his third under 500 season in his tenure with the Minnesota Gophers. Some are saying he's on the hot seat. Is it true? Well, we'll discuss that in just a moment. You're listening to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson here with you. I'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> Locked on Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson with you here. We're talking basketball all day today. Discussed earlier, the Minnesota Gophers look this season. Liam Robbins comes in to try and fill the hole from Daniel Oturu. But other than that, the team's pretty much the way that it was. Marcus Carr is coming back. Gabe Kalsher is back as well. Other pieces around them also returning too. And the Gophers mainly are trying to hope that their experience now is able to come through and get some of those close losses that they had last season turned into wins because there's no doubt about it that there were plenty of wins to be had that the Gophers just didn't get last season. And it ended up putting a lot of hate on Richard Pitino. Looking at his tenure as the Minnesota basketball head coach, some said that Pitino would end up done after last season, and a lot of people are saying that he's going into this season on the hot seat, including Jeff Goodman who posted an article with Patino on a list of hot seat coaches as well. Is it true, though? Is this the make-or-break season for the Gophers head basketball coach? Richard Patino, a name respected in college basketball, who has kept his job up to this point and gotten the Minnesota Gophers to two NCAA tournament appearance, is in his tenure here with the Gophers. I think he could very easily be fighting for his job right now. Not based off just anything that I've seen before, but based off of what I've seen from Minnesota basketball coaches in the past. Just the last two guys who had their jobs taken away by the Minnesota Gophers, not left for any other reason or anything like that. What was it that their situations were like when they went into, well, really get their jobs taken away from them? Dan Monson and Tubby Smith, the last two coaches for the Minnesota Gophers. Look at their resumes compared to what Richard Pitino has done. Starting with Monson. Monson took over in the 1999-2000 season. Ended up coaching all the way into the start of the 2006 and 2007 season. During that time, he took the Gophers to one NCAA tournament appearance. They were ranked once. Preseason 24th ended up finishing at the highest 20th in that season in 2002 and 2003. Team finished 19 and 14. A look at his record, starting in 99 and 2000, 12 and 16 when he got there. Then, up to 18 and 14, 18 and 13, 19 and 14, a 12 and 18 season. Then back to 21 and 11 when they made that tournament, 16 and 15. And then started 2 and 5 before he was replaced by Jim Molinari for the rest of the season. Gophers ended up going a total of 9 and 22 
in that campaign. Only one other time since the start of the century have the Gophers had single-digit wins. We'll get to that in just a moment. So Dan Monson, in his time with the Gophers, had two under 500 seasons. One when he first got there his first year, and then one in that 2003-4 and four season. He immediately followed it up with an NCAA tournament appearance as an 8 seed. Then he went 16-15, and 15, and then when the team only started 2-5, and five, he was out. That's what I want you to think about for just a moment. But first, let's get to Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith, a very interesting case. He comes into the Gophers squad. Immediately, the team goes 20-14. and 14. They make the NCAA tournament the two years after that as well. And then after that, go 17-14, and 23-15, and 15 and don't make the tournament. Then do make the tournament at 21-13, and 13, lose in the third round as an 11 seed. And then after that, he's relieved of his duties. Tubby Smith never had an under 500 season. He got this Gopher team to a point where they were expecting to get at least wins every single year, but also were expecting to make the NCAA tournament every year. And when Tubby Smith was unable to deliver on the promises that he, well, not made, but the promises that he made with the expectations he had, the Gophers got rid of him. But never a season under 500, three NCAA tournament appearances, and four seasons when the team appeared in the AP Top 25. That's over a six-year career for Tubby Smith at Minnesota. Then Richard Pitino comes in. He has an absolutely outstanding first season, going 25-13, and 13, but does not make the NCAA tournament. Then after that, things go a little bit further south. 18-15, and 15, missed the tournament. Then the low point. Remember that other single-digit win I told you about in the 21st century for the Gophers? Well, that was in 2015-16, and 8-23. and 23. Then Mitchell Bettino does bounce back again, though. Team goes 24-10, and 10, is a 5-seed in the NCAA tournament, but loses in the first round. That was a tough one for him. Then the team 15-17 and 17 in under 500 season. 22-14 and 14 in 2018-19, we remember that year. Won an NCAA tournament game for the first time in quite a while. That was good for Patino. But then last year, 15-16. and 16. And I hate to spell all this out for you right now in such a way that may seem a little bit boring, but if you're counting that up, that's Richard Patino, who has had seven seasons so far, and in them has gone under 500 three times, more than either of the two previous coaches who had their jobs removed in less time. He also has made two NCAA tournaments. Tubby Smith made three. Dan Monson made one. But I think Monson's really the one you have to look at here. Because even though things seemed okay with what he was doing with the Gophers as far as the records go, he had made the NCAA tournament the year before, but then went 16-15. and 15. The team took a step down a bit. They didn't make the tournament. And then after seven games, he was out. Rich Pitino goes 22-14, and 14, makes a tournament. But then team takes a step down. They're 15-16, and 16, under 500, but still about a 500 team team obviously misses the tournament because there's no tournament, but they weren't going to make it anyway. And now comes into this season with a whole lot of question marks. Now anyone who is watching this team knows that there were more than 15 wins on the table for the Gophers, and they played better than a 15-win team for a lot of that year, but they didn't win a lot of games. I think Richard Pitino this season needs to at least win more of those games to be able to get at least the monkey off his back. I don't know whether or not he's on the hot seat or not. I don't know his relationship with the people at the University of Minnesota or what they've discussed when they've talked about him as a coach. But if I, as a fan, am going to be confident in Richard Pitino again, if I want to stop having my name talked about 
in the papers or on podcasts like this one, if I am Richard Pitino, I'm saying that I need to win those games that were those, as we talked about earlier in the program, two-point, one-point, three-point losses that were right again right at the end of the season. Those are the games I need to win. Because this Gopher team, if you watched it, as I've said before, it had NCAA tournament potential and was a few minutes of basketball away from really being a solid NCAA tournament team. Like, wouldn't have had to worry about it that much on Selection Sunday. But you turn those few minutes back in the other direction and you end up losing those games instead of winning them. And now the Gophers are looking at a team that was under 500 last season and a coach that has had longer than anybody else to not do as much as other coaches have for Minnesota teams. So if I'm Richard Pitino, I don't know what my position with the job is. I don't talk about that kind of stuff. But if I want people to stop talking about me, I'm saying I need to win some big games. Or I need to win the close ones that our team hasn't been able to win before. This has been the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. We're on every single weekday, keeping you up to date on everything going on with the Gophers. Of course, tomorrow we'll be talking football. Illinois and I face off against the Gophers this weekend, and we'll have a preview for you right here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. What is everybody saying about this matchup going into it? That'll be discussed tomorrow here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Until next time, I'm Nate Dickinson. We'll talk to you tomorrow.